turning to the book of Ephesians. And uh, this morning I want to begin by reading uh, verses 17 through uh, 19. And, uh, you know, when I read the book of Ephesians and, and Paul and and writing to these people, you know, Paul, uh, we have to remember where he came from. Uh, even though he was very intelligent, even though he was uh, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a very learned man, a uh, religious man, and so forth, he was also a very broken and humbled man because he realized that he was totally saved by the grace of God. And we need to keep this in mind. And so... What Paul is going to do, again, this will be the third time uh, in this book, he is just going to uh, want to remind us where we came from. And we need to remember where we came from. Why? So we can praise him, so we can thank him, so we can bow before him and honor him. And so verses 17 uh, uh, is where I'll begin. It says, For this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you... Walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. And uh, we'll stop there. I read a little further, but uh, uh, we see Paul's, we see Paul, I think, talking about himself as much as anything. And because uh, he realized where he had, he was hard. He was past any hope, you might say, in his in his religious uh, fervor, and he was wrong. And so he's just reminding these Ephesians about that. We saw in the first three chapters, just a quick review, uh, Paul lays down the importance of doctrine for us. This is just kind of, can you remember where we've been? In, verse, in chapters 4 through 6, Paul is dealing with uh, practical matters, and in four, chapter 4, verse 1, we saw uh, the title, re- really, which is for the rest of the uh, book, Walk Worthily, Walking Worthily of this calling you have received. And our life is to match the way we talk and live. It's to be a different walk as it was in the past. And uh, we should be in practice, we should be in practice what you are in principle. It should match up. And not only that, I think Paul is saying it will match up. See, that's the thing. It's not like you can do this if you want to. What he's describing here are two type of people. Those who are lost, still in their sin, and those who have been born again now, who are living for Christ. And uh, so this is extremely important. Remember, he begins with unity in the church. We looked at that in chapter 4 and 
we have one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Uh, we're one body. We're a family. Uh, and we are to maintain this unity, he says, uh, with humility, patience, forbearance, etc. And uh, every believer needs to be a part of the local church. And we talked about that under the ministry of the word, which is God's means by which we grow in the faith and the likeness of Christ. So these are just some of the things we have, we have touched on. And uh, uh, Paul now explains further what it means to walk worthily, not just in unity, but he says, you, in verse 17, are no longer to walk as Gentiles, as heathen, as you once were, lost in your sin. Uh, believers are called out of that and will be that by the grace of God, not perfect, and I want to make that clear. Uh, and I think Paul understood that. He says, the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing, and, and so forth. And so we, we all struggle with sin, so don't be discouraged because some of these things we're going to talk about, we still see in our lives. Why? Because we're sinners. We're sinners, and we still struggle. But the question is, are we struggling or are we, are we at, in practice different at home than we are in church? And so it's a heart matter with God. Uh, we're to be holy as God is holy. And we're all working at that. Uh, I'm still working on it. And uh, so Paul is saying, put away this, this old living. Uh, and uh, as, you, as we read that, Somebody say, well, that describes me. Well, you, you then need to repent and trust Christ. And so we can see this from two different standpoints. Uh, we're to start walking worthy of the calling. We're the called out ones of God, the church of God. And uh, we're to love uh, not the world. And that's, a, again, a struggle. Uh, but we're to, to act and speak uh, differently now and uh, let's see 1st John 2 15 through 17 I have a good number of verses today but it says do not love the world or anything in the world and love here is like putting before God in other words it's an idol it's something you live for if anyone loves the world if anyone loves the world love of the uh, love for the Father is not in them. For any, everything in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. And again, that's not perfect. You know, you don't have to live perfectly the will of God. We not, None of us do that. But uh, has there been a life change? And... Uh, are we still acting and thinking like lost people? Uh, Paul says what? Elsewhere, he says to be uh, renewed uh, in your mind, Romans 12, 2. Uh, we also find in Proverbs 23, 7, for he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cause. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not uh, with you. For he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. And... Uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
In other words, are we counting the cost? Are we struggling with this? Or are we just acting like anybody else in the world acts? There will be a change. We're to renew. And again, in chapters 2, verses 1 through uh, 3, I won't go back and read that, but he reminds them of what they used to be. They were dead. They were disobedient. They were uh, objects of God's wrath. If you remember, that's in in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Also in chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, he says, You were once separated from Christ. And so this is how you were as a lost person. Uh, But uh, we must remember uh, not only what we are now in Christ, Paul says, and that's all of 1 through 3, and all the blessings that follow, but he says again, uh, we need to remember what we were in the past. It's interesting on TV, you can watch these uh, uh, commercials that are, uh, of course, they want your money. And I guess some of these diet programs work and what have you. But they have always, or something you put on your face, you know, to shrink your wrinkles or make you look younger or whatever. But they always have the before. And remember, they have the after, and you go, wow, that's pretty incredible, isn't it? You know, somebody weighed 400 pounds, and they've lost 200 pounds in this diet. Now, they still need to lose weight, but it's so, such an improvement. And so Paul, that's what he's saying. You know, you have, as a Christian, there's the before life, and then there's the afterlife, after you become a Christian. So, uh, first of all, what, in verse, from verse 17, what do lost people apart from Christ do? What do worldlings do? Those who are living uh, for themselves. Uh, and again, this does not say that we live perfectly or that we do not fall or succumb to these things Paul is talking about because we do. First thing they do, though, is walk in verse 17. Uh, they walk. That's their lifestyle. That's what he's saying here. They have a certain walk. Uh, it's the certain way they live, the way they think, and the way they speak. And there's a starting point for this, these worldlings. And where is that? At birth. That's where it begins. They don't become this. They're born this way. Uh, and so uh, there's a progress, too, that they are making, just like in the Christian life, there's a progress we're making. In the worldling, there's a progress going forward in their life. And we've seen in, in some lives in this world uh, uh, that taken to the extreme, haven't we? Charles Manson and, and people like that that uh, are given over to such wickedness and, uh, and what have you. So there's a progress in their life. And there is a purpose to their life. It's for self. Me, myself, and I. That's what they're living for. There is a direction in which they are walking uh, in darkness. That's where they're walking, in darkness. We see in 1 John 1, 5 through 7, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet, Notice the word here, walk in the darkness. That is, that's our, that's our uh, lifestyle. That's who we are. That describes us. We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, 
as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Christ, Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So that's, that's the, uh, uh, what takes place uh, when you're in Christ. And, uh, so nobody's neutral. Okay? There's no such thing as a neutral, neutral person. Uh, you're either walking away from God and you're in darkness or you're walking uh, with God in the light. There are only two kinds of people. Uh, the broad road leads to what? Matthew seven thirteen through 14. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Of course, life in Christ. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so, very clear here, the narrow road is Christ. When we're born again, uh, God begins his work in us, both to will and to do. Of his good pleasure. And we start going in a certain direction. A different direction. Than we had been going. He is conforming us. More and more into Christ's image. Now for some of us. It's real fast. But for others it's a slow process. But there is a process. Okay. Uh, these people that. Claim to have been a Christian. 30 years ago. When they walked in now. And they've never uh, darkened the door of a church. Not that going into a church saves you. But they uh, are living a life of sin and say they're still a believer because of some decision they make. They are deceived. They're deceived. That's what the scripture and Paul is trying to say here. You have a lifestyle. Don't claim to be something when your lifestyle says something differently. And so this is a warning, is it not? This is a warning to all of us. Uh, and again, not to make you feel guilty because we all fail at this, okay? Uh, there are times we, we, we are struggling uh, to be conformed to the image of Christ. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be what? We're predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. See? That's what we're... Uh, conformed uh, uh, to be more and more like Christ. And uh, that's what they call the process of sanctification. Uh, But for the lost, there is also a process that leads to a further distance from God. And it becomes more apparent, this, this picture of sin, as they live out their life of wickedness, it becomes more and more apparent. And you may, you, you may know people like that. Um, uh, the world is walking according to the world's view of things. And the world's view, Paul says here in this section, is futile. Uh, it's futile. They're walking in the futility of their minds, he says. That's verse 17. Uh, their minds, their thinking. Their, it's futile thinking. Uh, because why? Their heart is that way. Uh, Matthew twelve thirty three through 35 says, Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. In other words, if you become a real believer, 
A born-again believer, it's the fruit will be good. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, it'll be there. And make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil, he doesn't even mix words, say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Pretty, tell, uh, uh, pretty clear. Uh, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. It's going to be very, very apparent. It's going to be obvious. Uh, now, and again, we all struggle, do we not? But futile means vain, empty, meaningless. Uh, Romans 1, 21 through 25. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God. This is describing, again, the lost person. Nor gave thanks to him. You know, we gave thanks in that song. We, and I don't want, I'm not going to sing it, but uh, we gave thanks to him. And we sing from our hearts. Oh, and we really mean it because we understand where we came from. It's not just an empty thing, but their thinking became futile. Here's that word. It became futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And that's going on big time today. And worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. And so futile means vain, empty, meaningless. And uh, these people are, are groping about in darkness and don't even realize they're in darkness. Because if they realized in darkness, they'd come out of the darkness. But uh, there they are. And so Solomon said, all is vanity. Uh, all is futile, empty, apart from God. It's like chasing after the wind. Try to catch the wind. Uh, you can't do it. It's aimless. It's purposeless. It's meaningless. And since man is walking, he has a goal in mind. He is progressing towards something. All men, women, children are progressing towards something. Everybody has a reason, a purpose, a meaning in life. Everybody. But the lost man suppresses God and, uh, and pursues the world. He loves the creation more than the creator. And it's so sad, isn't it, to see people whose lives reflect that. It might be money. It might be power. It might be drugs. It might be food. It might be prestige. It might be knowledge. It might be sports. It could be anything. Anything. That's their purpose for life. That's th those, that is their idol. That is their God that they uh, live for. And if, you, if your football team loses, it should not destroy you. It's a game. Nor should it also make you feel whatever about how great I am because my team won. It's a football game or a baseball game or anything. 
It's an idol if we're worshiping it, if we live for it and spend thousands and thousands of dollars for box seats and spend nothing for God. I mean, Paul here is being very, very clear. Romans 3 tells it there is none that seeketh after God, but everybody seeks something. Things that pass away. And that's so sad, isn't it? They're seeking things that are passing away. Because the human soul will be restless, not satisfied, until it rests in Christ. Why do I know that? Because I've experienced that. I am satisfied with Christ. Uh, He's all we need. Secondly, not only what do the worldlings do, but what the worldlings are in verse 18. They are darkened, it says, in their understanding. Excluded, alienated from the life of God. Darkened because of the ignorance in them and because of the hardness of their heart. Darkened in their understanding. They're unable to see clearly, act clearly because of darkness. And you know that if you've been in a room and trying to move around in a room to do things. And it's, you can't see, it's dark. You cannot act, you cannot see clearly. He professes to be wise, but has become a fool. We read that in Romans. Things of the Christian faith are mocked and made fun of by the lost person. Why? Because they simply cannot see. They're ignorant. They're dark. They're blinded. Not only that, they love darkness. That's an that's a, a interesting thought that people would love darkness. But the Bible says that they do. Uh, it's a, uh, a song that came to my mind when I was preparing this. is uh, a song by Simon and Garfunkel, which is, uh, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I'm come to talk to you again. And uh, that's, I think it's the song is Sound of Silence. But uh, and I read the whole song, the lyrics, and I still didn't know what to understand. But the one that really hit me, though, is Hello, Darkness, My Old Friend. But he talks about the street like the neon lights and so forth. And yet has, a, has no clue about what real darkness is, is and how Christ is the light. It's sad. These people are love darkness. Uh, and uh, they're content to stay there. And laugh at those in the light. They think they can see. But they're blind. And they mock those who can see. It's like a blind man being told about a beautiful sunset. And all the colors and then laughing at the person and saying it doesn't exist. Why? Because he can't see it. When you talk about color, he doesn't understand color. They're blind. Their ignorance is in them. Why? Because it's part of their nature. 
It's the ignorance of inborn sin that began at their birth. It is not a lack of information given to them, not a lack of evidence. Why? Because the evidence is everywhere. We know that in Romans 1.20 when it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His power, His uh, omnipotence, which is His and, and uh, uh, everything about God is clearly seen. His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, it says, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Without excuse. Uh, it's clearly seen. Uh, and you can, one thing that really disturbed my dad uh, greatly was the fact that as a doctor, he had come to know Christ through creation science. There was all this evidence that was indisputable. Biology, uh, 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 biological evolution was impossible. And so God used that in his life to bring him to Christ, the creator. And dad couldn't understand when he didn't tell other people that the same thing didn't happen to them. And I said, Dad, it's because they can't see, they're blind. Well, all this evidence. I said, Dad, you didn't see because of all the evidence. You saw because God opened your eyes to see the evidence. You see, there's a huge difference, and we need to give glory to God. And Dad got that at the end of his life. We were talking about all that, and Dad said, you know, I think it's real easy. And I said, what do you mean, Dad? He says, in everything, give God the glory. Whoa. That kind of sums it all up, doesn't it? Don't take glory for anything. Give God all the glory. And he had it. He nailed it. And, uh, but only God can give us a new nature uh, and a new birth. God creates a new heart. And uh, everyone needs the spirit and power of God to come upon them to illuminate them. You can't illuminate yourself. You can't open your own heart. You know, people say, open your heart. Well, they can't. You're telling somebody to do something they can't do. You need to pray or say, if you're lost out there and don't know Christ, you better pray God will open your heart. That's what we need to be telling people. Not to open their heart because we're telling them something that's impossible. And uh, John 6.63 says, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Also in Romans 4.17, uh, it says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Speaking, of course, Abraham. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God who gives life, watch it. God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. He gets the glory. I mean, you can take credit for it if you want. But Paul, I think, is saying here, this is what you used to be. Get used to it. But not only just believe it, but have it change your life, which will humble you. That's what it does. Uh, they're dead, alienated from the life of God. No spiritual life. They don't have the zoe in the Greek life, the spiritual life. They have the bios, the, the biological life, but not the spiritual life. Uh, uh, they don't know the meaning of life. 
eternal life, the zoe, the eternal life. They don't know that. They've never communed, the lost I'm talking about. They've never communed with God. They're cut off, alienated. They're dead. Paul says this is due to the hardness of their heart. The natural man has a hard heart, a stony heart, a heart that does not beat for God. Why? It's stone. It can't beat for God. It can't commune with God. It can't wake itself up and turn its heart of stone into heart of flesh. God's got to do that. So simply in verse 18, what we have here is the doctrine of total depravity. That man in his fallen condition is not able of himself to receive the things of God. He must be changed in order to see and believe. And it's important that we see that. The darkness must be lifted. The ignorance must be changed. And only God can do that. Man is completely helpless and hopeless. Dead means unresponsive. When you're pronounced dead, you're unresponsive. Unless they shock you back to life. But when you're dead, you're unresponsive. And you're going to stay that way. (laughs) We see it. Dead is dead. That is exactly right. Dead is a doornail, as the old saying was. But anyway, uh, if the gospel comes to you, though, in your deadness, you can't respond to the gospel if you're dead. So you have to be alive to respond to something. And if you're dead, you can't respond to the gospel. Wow, you're dead. But once you're made alive, then you respond. What is 1 Corinthians 2.14? The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. The world thinks we're fools. I hate to tell you that, but they think we're fools over here spending our time here and cannot understand them because they are discerned Only through the Spirit. Whoa, does that say it any plainer? Doesn't to me. I mean, that kind of nails it down, doesn't it? John 3, 3. Jesus, this is speaking to Nicodemus. He said, verily, truly, I tell you, no man can see. And that means with his eyes. Cannot see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Once you're born again, you can see. But you don't see and then you're born again. It's not this seeing is coming out of your natural man. Uh, and if you just cram enough scripture into them, they're going to see. Not without the Spirit of God. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't use His Word. He does. He, that's the, the means to, to that. But uh, no, the Spirit of God. And then thirdly and lastly, what worldlings become. Not what only what they do who they are, but what do they become? They became callous, uh, without feeling, without sensitivity, their conscience having been seared with a hot iron through repeated sinning, stubborn rebellion against God, and suppressing the truth, pursuing sin, and that to the point where they become callous, insensitive. Their conscience no longer responds. Things that used to trouble them no longer do. And we have to be careful of that as, as, as believers as well. Does sin really bother us? Uh, uh, does it uh, alarm us when we hear of some awful tragedy 
the millions of babies that have been aborted, does that even bother us anymore? If we heard it so long, it's just kind of like water off a duck's back, you know. Uh, someone said, uh, sins no longer set off the alarm anymore. The alarm is a smoke alarm because the battery is dead. So we fight this as well. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting, though, these people can become so callous. There's a true story about uh, 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 Shirley MacLaine. You know, I think we all know who Shirley MacLaine is. And she had gotten to the point, she got out on the Malibu beach, raised her hands in the air and said, I am God, I am God, I am God. Now, that's pretty far gone, if you ask me. You see, that's what you can become, though. If you refuse the Scriptures, if you refuse God, you don't just stay in one place. You move further from God until you remove yourself so far that God gives you over to a reprobate mind. And it's your fault because of your wickedness. Uh, they give themselves over to sensuality, licentiousness, as we uh, read this morning. they throwing off all the restraint. Uh, there's no shame either anymore in their life. It's a life of pursuing sin, leading to the lack of, of self-control. Uh, they no longer care if people know and see what they do. Homosexuality today is out in the open. When I was growing up in high school, it was not accepted. Matter of fact, it was looked down on very strongly because people realized it was a sin. But today you have people kissing on TV, in, in movies, and uh, holding their hands, holding each other's hands, walking down the street, hugging each other. There's no shame. There's no shame. And uh, uh, that's sad. That's sad. These people think they're living the high life and they're living the low life. They're blaspheming God with no shame. And it's a shame because Shirley MacLaine one day will say, oh no, but it'll be too late. When Christ appears, and at the judgment seat, if she has not accepted Christ, she's going to say, oh no, but it will be too late. So this callousness leads to greediness, as we read, Paul says. Greediness is, means have more. It means a lack of contentment and satisfaction. You want more. You want the next thrill, the next adventure, the next buzz. The next amusement. Does that sound familiar? It could be the drunk who lives for his next drink. It could be the lustful man looking for the next website. It could be the ambitious person willing to get ahead at any cost. It could be the ang angry man who takes it out on those dear to him. It could be the jealous person who wishes and plots for someone else's downfall. It could be the vain person who lusts for more attention. But whatever that lust is, it's out of control and shameful. 
These things will never satisfy, but the lost man never gets it. And the sad thing is there are real consequences, real consequences to this. So let me just say a few things in summing this up. I think we have here in these three verses a biblical description of those who are outside of Christ. It's what the worldlings do. It's who the worldlings are. And it's what the worldlings become. Let me ask you. Hopefully this doesn't describe you. And I know this goes out on the, uh, on the website. So there will be people listening to this. And I believe everyone hearing this knows Christ. So I'm not really speaking to you. Unless God is speaking to you. But. Paul says in verse 17, this is how God, this is how Christ sees it. This is not just Paul saying this, but it's Christ's perspective. This is things as they really are. This is Christ's world's view. It's Paul's world view, and it should be our world view. Two kinds of people, before and after. The old is a picture of the old, ugly Self, living for self, all about self, and then the new self. The new picture is what we are now in Christ and what we're pressing on to be like him. So that's exciting. I I mean, God working in me uh, has done, particularly in the last eight or ten years, have done things in me that uh, I would have never dreamed of. And I give him all the, the glory for that, but he's still still working on me. Uh, let me ask you, which way are you walking? Are you walking in the world? Or are you walking in Christ? Let me just say some things I think for application very quickly uh, so we don't forget. He tells us this so we don't forget where we came from. Paul sees himself and he wants us to realize where we came from and where and who we are now. Be humbled by it. It's by his doing. You're in Christ. We need to give God the glory because it took a miracle for you to be here. Give him the glory. And then we need to examine ourselves to see if we really are walking in Christ, are we walking in the light? Or do we desire, do we desire to glorify Him, to live for Him, and put the old self off? We're going to continue to see that in the future. But a lot of people try to reform themselves, and I've known people who claim to be Christians who later uh, depart from the faith, and it's sad. But those people try to re- reform themselves. They were never, never born again. They were living the lie. And uh, uh, that's why the scripture says, those that endure to the end will be saved. It's those that will persevere in the faith. And by God's grace, and if you are born again, you will, he says. And that's the encouraging part. He will never give up on us. And he will work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Let's give him the glory. Amen. Father, we uh, again thank you this morning for your word. and. As we approach this new year, may our desire 
may our want to's, may our will will be to serve you in newness of life. Not out of guilt, not out of uh, condemnation, not out of our flesh, but Lord, by the power of your spirit. Uh, Lord, help us to, to believe the gospel, to live out of the gospel. And uh, Lord, give us grace to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank <clears throat> you.